podcast is brought to you by Nova Southeastern University's Fischler School of Education and Human Services. The Fischler School has the largest graduate school of education at an accredited university, serving more than 14,000 students each academic year in some 55 cities across the United States, plus approximately 40 other countries. Hello, this is Dr. Marilyn Gardner, and thank you for joining our podcast today entitled 57 Seconds to a Faculty Favorite. I'm thrilled today to have Todd Conaway. Todd is an instructional designer at Yavapai Community College and also has 10 years adjunct teaching experience at Yavapai. He has a Master of Science in Educational Technology at Walden University, and he has 16 years experience integrating various technologies into classrooms at the college, high school, and middle school level. I have a long list of presentations in which he has been a presenter. Todd, thank you very much for joining us today. Sure, it's nice to be here. I was intrigued by the topic of your podcast. Todd is also doing a presentation at the United States Distance Learning Conference. The title, again, was 57 Seconds to a Faculty Favorite. Can you explain what you mean by that title, what that title is all about? A couple of years back, I came across Jonathan Finkelstein's Learning Minute, and it was a short video that was actually slightly longer than a minute, where he looked at or discussed some of the strategies that he has used and found to be best practice in the online synchronous environment in training. It was a little over a minute long, and I thought, boy, that was really informative, and it was really short. That seemed like a good way to deliver a piece of information, and so much of what I have delivered in the past has been just a tip or a trick or something that was immediately useful to faculty. That's kind of where the 57 seconds, and what has happened with that was that I've just developed quite a few 57-second tips on how to do things not only in Blackboard, like how to create an item or how to create a folder, but more best practice strategies in the online space. And I think that the consumer, and in our case, the faculty, gets that same experience I had with Jonathan Finkelstein's content was that it's only a minute long and it's pretty painless to receive less than a minute of information. And it went over really fantastically. We emailed them out every Monday morning so that it was kind of a novelty to see what the new trick would be each Monday. And as things have progressed, we've kind of diffused the distribution of it slightly. Nonetheless, it's still a manageable chunk of information. And I think that that's a good strategy not only for teachers to have with their online content, the chunking, what many of the best practices would say smaller bite-sized pieces rather than the longer hour-long lectures. Prior to the podcast, you were talking about the challenges associated with teacher training at the college or university level. Could you go into detail about that? Absolutely. The teachers will always tell me time is critical. I guess I'm very sympathetic to that as a former high school English teacher and currently as an adjunct teacher. Not improving is not an excuse. Not having time to improve is, is not a good excuse. And I know that a lot of people will say, I don't have any time, but that's our job is to improve and to create a better environment for our college. I, I don't like the I have no time, though I have sympathy for it. And certainly uh, the 57 second tips fit into that. No 
no time. It's immediately accessible. These new tools that we have out there present a huge challenge for teachers, too. They oftentimes don't have 20 years of experience in using Skype in the classroom, whereas they do have 20 years of experience talking about their content or delivering PowerPoint presentations or using tools that they are familiar with. The new tools, they don't have track records of proven reliability. And what have been some of the most successful trainings you've done at the college level? Well, my, my newest thing is interacting with instructors in their own offices. I used to sit in my office, like all the folks I work with, and we would primarily sit at chairs in front of computers and generate content that would be then somehow dispersed to the faculty. More and more, I am finding that while that is still a one way to reach them, my newest best practice in, in my little world at a small community college is to leave my office and uh, as often as possible during the day and go wander around and open faculty doors or knock on them first and ask them what they're doing in their courses, ask them about their family, ask them about anything that's non-threatening that helps me develop a relationship that's click here to do that. That really has been powerful when I notice that it's happening because so, it seems so casual and it doesn't seem like I'm being productive and I know that it's not terribly cost-effective to do this for the college. On the other hand, many of the other strategies that we've utilized have not produced the kind of results that, that we would like. We have recently offered an introduction to technology class online that many of our instructors have taken. And that actually has probably been the second best thing because one of the problems with online instructors is many of them have never been students in online classes. So just having that experience alone, good class or not, is hugely informative to them as, as instructors. Have you found some training modes that were not very successful? When I first started a few years back, the newest thing that we were going to try was the brown bag lunch, and people would come to our offices and we would gauge them in how to do this in less than an hour, and they could bring their own food. We still do it. It's the one way we justify our jobs almost, which is really tragic. And I think a lot of universities do these things, and the buy-in at various institutions, I am sure, is going to depend on their size or their buy-in by faculty or their, the culture at the school. But for us, the brown bags have been just a huge flop. Very challenging to get out of that mode of the workshop. I mean, it echoes our same, the same thing we're doing here, you know, in a way, at, at this conference. And I think that the web, where once it was go to one website and it's easy to find stuff because there's only 10 pages on the website, now every college's website has grown to such enormous proportions and people have been under the influence of being able to put so much content onto their own group's page that there's just so much content, it's the fire hose effect, all in one web page, not just the internet in general, but just your college's single faculty assistants. They get lost before they can ever find the content. We are in the process of really trying to whittle it down to what's necessary and making sure that people who are looking for it can find it. So that has not been as used as we was frequently visited as we would like. We all have heard the term just-in-time training, and a lot of people feel it's very powerful. Why do you think it doesn't work with faculty? 
That would go with kind of the last question, I suppose, is that there's just so much out there. We're now trying a blog, and instead of posting each week, which a good blogger would do at least each week, we post at the first of the month three things. Hopefully what's happening is that the faculty will go visit this blog, and they'll only see these three things, at least initially on the page, that are videos, audio podcasts, PDF files, commentary on something, but it's a very small time commitment to visit and take in. Even the 57-second blackboard tips are what we would call just-in-time training. But again, at this point, when in the several spaces we have them, and if you think about a YouTube channel, for example, they're all available on a YouTube channel. And when there was only three, it was fine because you could see all three of them and you could see all the titles to each of the three. Now there's 50 of them or whatever, and you have to scroll. And so finding the one that fits your need at that just-in-time moment becomes more work. I think that part of that's just the size and nature of the web. And what we don't have yet, because it's all very new still, is really great ability to search for things we need and find them quickly on the Internet. And I think that will change over time. I heard you discuss the value of informal face-to-face -face training. Can you clarify? My own background in education prior to Walden was at a small school, Prescott College, which was very experientially based. Um, we did a lot of things. We went a lot of places. I think that part of that culture in those classes were, number one, they were very small. The affective part of learning was a huge component compared to what I see often now, especially at larger universities, where it's a lot of one-sided content delivery, pretty passive experience on the learner's part. The relationship that I can build with our instructors on a personal note creates trust, which I think is a huge piece of this whole puzzle when it comes to how do I improve? Because they want reliable information from somebody they trust. The internet is full of information, but that trust element is not often immediately recognized. I know that you added the 57 second tips to YouTube and some other web locations. Have you found value in that? Uh, absolutely. I think that our job as educators is to share information, and that information in this day and age, uh, unlike the days of old, can be distributed far and wide. And I think that, you know, we see it already with the YouTube channels from MIT or Yale and the whole open source online experience for, for many people, whether it's in professional development or whether it's as a college student. It's, it's our duty to share this information that we create with as many people as possible because we can. And I think that that's extending it beyond the walls of a, a classroom or of our campus. And I think that's a really valuable aspect of the Internet has to offer us today. I was just thinking, does the content you create have implications in the Web 2.0 environments? Yes, because I think that part of our job is not only to help the teachers utilize the LMS uh, that we use at our school, but I think that it offers them also a look at, say, a YouTube channel. And sometimes, from my point of view, if I can get them to go see the YouTube channel and explain it to them, even briefly, they see something that they might be able to create themselves. And, for example, with our blog, the, the interaction that can happen on a blog, 
some of our instructors are using blogs as tools to allow students to communicate with one another or place their work on a blog. The more that we can get teachers to see that we can do it too, it's not just this big scary web thing out there for only the highly technically sophisticated folks, that they can do it too is one way that we can convey this web 2.0 world to them in a non-threatening manner. And so many of the tools that are available, we pay money for our Camtasia license. But Jing, in many ways, is just a brilliant tool that every time I show it to instructors, they can't believe they haven't been using it for a long time. So, As you're aware, there are currently online courses, hybrid courses, and face-to-face. -face. What models do you hope to see more in the future? I hope that this online education and the words like hybrid and face-to-face -face all kind of de-evolve into best practice in delivering information to a specific individual. I think that one of the great strengths of the internet is that it does allow the old way for it to happen, which, you know, in the oldest of old was one person saying stuff to one other person in a, in a large room or one-on-one. -on -one. Today, that can still be done via recorded lectures or like this, a podcast. But I hope that down the road, we don't have the conversations anymore about how it's delivered, but rather using the tools to, to their fullest potential in any environment. And I think we see that now today with our instructors at the college. Very often, they're using Blackboard to enhance the instruction of their face-to-face -face course. It's just recognizing the value of a tool and, and utilizing it well. If you had a crystal ball, where do you see teacher training in the next few years? I hope that in the next few years, I am able personally to just be more effective and continue to improve what I do. And I think that that's wanting to improve is very important for anybody, whether it's an instructor or a student. For me, my goal for my own training, and, and I hope that this is true of all professional development opportunities, is that we utilize these resources that we have, whether they're TED Talks on the video or PDF files from your own institution or conferences or Illuminate sessions or Twitter, whatever the tool is, that we begin to see that we don't have to fly somewhere far away to be trained. We, we can get that right in our office right now if we want. But that's going to take time because I think that all of these computers are very new to the way we behave and especially the way we look at professional development. Todd, thank you so much for joining us today. And I was hoping you would share your contact information with us because I'm sure there are people in the audience who would like to get in touch with you. Absolutely. My email address is todd.conaway at yc.edu. Thank you so much, Todd. This is Dr. Marilyn Gardner with the United States Distance Learning Association. And if you would like more information about USDLA, you can find us at www.usdla.org. Thank you and have a great day. This podcast is brought to you by Nova Southeastern University's Fischler School of Education and Human Services. The Fischler School has the largest graduate school of education at an accredited university, serving more than 14,000 students each academic year in some 55 cities across the United States, plus approximately 40 other countries. The Fischler School of Education and Human Services is dedicated to the enhancement and continuing support 
of teachers, administrators, trainers, and others working in related helping professions throughout the world.